Hi, friends. This episode of the Paw and Order podcast is brought to you by Cassava. Cassava creates frozen, naturally gluten-free foods with simple, wholesome, minimally processed ingredients and has its own line of 100% vegan, easy-to-prepare dishes. This episode is also brought to you by Tempe. Tempe crafts unpasteurized tempeh using organic, non-GMO soybeans and is created fresh for the boldest taste and texture. You can find Tempe's well-loved tempeh across various retailers in the greater Vancouver area. And finally, this episode is brought to you by our friends at The Grinning Goat. This is another iRaw podcast. We podcast to make the world a better place for animals. In the Canadian justice system, animals' interests are rarely represented. But the lawyers at Animal Justice fight to give them a voice in court and the political system. This is the Pawn Order Podcast, and these are their stories. Alright everybody, welcome to episode 51 of the Paw and Order podcast, our special pandemic episode, which feels so weird to even say. I'm Camille Labchuk and I'm joined by my co-host Peter Sankoff. Hey Peter. <coughs> too soon, Camille? Oh, too soon. Too soon, I know. Next <laughs> That's week, not that'll an actual be, cough. Next week that'll be funnier? Yeah, too soon. God, uh, it wow. feels... I can't believe we're doing a pandemic episode. Yeah, I really, really didn't you know, think we'd get to this day. Two weeks ago, we re- recorded the last episode and this was already, you know, somewhat happening, right? Like it wasn't an unknown thing that the virus was spreading. But wow, in the last several days, the seriousness, uh, seriousness of it has just been truly driven home. And, it's, it's um, been... I think I, I... Sorry, go ahead. I think Camille. I started to see where this was going a little bit before um, others did. And... It's been clear to me for, you know, a week, a week and a half at this point that we are going to be under lockdown for quite some time. Well, that's what we're doing here, um, everybody. Uh, This is our pandemic episode. It's going to be a little bit different, I'd say, Camille, although it will be animal themed and we will definitely hit on some animal themes. Um, Camille and I both thought it was a little bit kind of, I I don't want to say silly because I don't think that's the right word, but I think it would have been silly to ignore the issue that is on most people's minds and really in their lives. And I thought that we are going to do a little bit different. Our main topic of the day is the pandemic, and we will talk about the effects on animals. But I think our listeners might want to hear about our thoughts generally and how we're coping with what's going on. So there's going to be a bit more of a personal dimension, I think, uh, to this pawn order than there has been in other episodes. I, I think so. And I've been really comforted during this weird time by seeing what other people are doing and sharing stuff online. Not in person, online. So I, I hope that maybe if we share a little bit about how our lives have changed and how our work lives have changed too, that might provide some comfort to you guys as well who are listening. And also, Peter, people are going to have a lot more time to listen to podcasts now, so we've got to provide some content. So we're going to speak slowly 
to make this podcast actually just play it at one quarter speed so that it takes, you know, four times as long and we'll sound really funny um, in the mix. By the way, Camille, um, just let me throw out there while we're talking about pandemic. I don't know about you. I mean, I made that joke, which is a terrible joke of a cough at the top. Every time I talk to someone and they cough, I'm like, what's going on? Like, how are you? Do you do you find yourself doing that? Like my mom coughed because she was taking a pill and I was literally like, you know, ready to send the paramedics over. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I sneezed a couple times the other day and I was like, oh, my God, do I have it? And sneezing is not a typical symptom for COVID. So don't worry, guys, I'm fine. Probably. Um, I, I should have sneezed you just off start the top. That would have been funnier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just start re-examining how you feel and start wondering every second of the day, like, Oh, do I still feel okay? Is that cough normal? Is that cough weird? What's up? It's pretty crazy. Now, we know, Camille, that there are both uh, personal and professional affects. And um, it is very, very sad to announce that of the many things that have suffered as a result of coronavirus, and let me just say for the record, and I, I don't think uh, you, you you would disagree with this, Camille, we don't want to trivialize the very serious. I mean, people are dying and people are shut in and there are a lot of people at risk. So I'm certainly in no way equating what we're about to say um, with the real losses faced by corona. Ultimately, this is about health. This is about people surviving and this is about people doing well and beating this virus. But nonetheless, there are a lot of incidental affects, and sadly, animal justice has not been spared. Camille, why don't you uh, tell us the bad news? No, unfortunately, we, we've had, obviously, at this point, uh, it will come as no surprise to hear that we've postponed our gala. So we were set to have a fundraising gala on April 25th at the Palais Royal in Toronto, and we made the decision, um, I think, before a lot of other events had been canceled, it was it was just very clear to us that the viability of this gala was was completely um, under threat because of the the threat of the virus. So we made the decision to cancel the event, and I have to say it wasn't a very difficult decision. It was just very obvious to me that that's the way things were going, and that events uh, are going to be done. That that's it for events. So um, if you if you bought a ticket to the gala, we already emailed you, so you would have seen that. But obviously, you can get a refund if you want. Um, we're not canceling the gala. We're, we're postponing it. So we will find a new date when uh, the time is right. It's not clear to me, Peter, when that time is going to be right. Um, you know, I, I'm personally predicting that this might last a lot longer than we kind of feel like it will. So we're going to be flexible on that. But uh, the gala's off. Uh, Peter, the conference, we're supposed to be having an animal law conference at the beginning of September, September 9th to 11th. Uh, sorry, 11th to 13th in Toronto. And that is still on for now. Um, obviously, we'll reassess uh, as we go and as the situation changes. But submissions did technically close for that last week. If you didn't get a chance to submit because it fell in the craziness of these times, you can totally have an extension. Just send along your submission and drop me a note and that's fine. Yeah, there's been a lot of that going around. I thought it would be interesting. I mean, I, I want to tell a couple of stories, but Camille and I did a lot of chatting. Uh, it was Thursday, uh, March 12th. So things really started to get a little crazy on Thursday, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Sorry, I apologize. And uh, uh, Camille and I, I was just looking at our texts, Camille, and uh, we were we were you know, it starts off with, uh, we should talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my next quote is, 
my feeling is that things are about to get crazy. Camille, I'm not known as like the best fortune teller, but boy, was I right on. It was before things got really crazy. And I said, I don't mean to be a downer, but I personally see 0% chance the gala goes ahead. And your response was, because I remember I'd spoken to you a day or two before, and I was like, I don't know, Camille, is this a good idea? And you were still like, yeah, like maybe. And, and then you said, I'm feeling the same way. And wouldn't have said that yesterday, but things have changed in the last 12 hours. And literally within less than like 18 hours, Camille, the gala was canceled. Like it was just, it went rapidly. Yeah, things were changing, not even hour by hour, but minute by minute is what it felt like. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. Can I tell you my uh, COVID story? Because I think it's a good story. Anybody who, some of the people who are on Twitter will have already seen it. Do you mind if I indulge a bit, Camille, with how I, de- no, how, I, go, how, go I how I got my relation? So um, luckily, I am back in the country. I, actually, I never left the country, but that's part of the story. So uh, a- anybody who follows me on Twitter will know I'm a big NBA basketball fan. And um, my son and I uh, go to watch basketball games in uh, Utah, where my favorite team plays every year. And we've done this for the past three years. And um, we literally had to pick dates to do this um, back in August when the schedule came out. I'm not kidding. That's how long ago we booked it and bought tickets. We bought tickets the first day they were available. And it was like, we're like, hmm... November, uh, February, or March. Those were the three best windows for us. So naturally, you know, because I'm, you know, always a lucky guy, we picked March. And the date that we were set to fly out of uh, Edmonton was March 11th. So it's kind of hard to get your headspace back into where you were on March 11th. But let's just say... On March 11th in the morning, Camille, things were starting to percolate. Is that a fair word? But things had not gone like really crazy yet. It was still limited exposure. We were going to Utah. Not a lot of cases there. Almost none. Wash your hands. It seemed like we were being told, wash your hands, but it's okay to go. You, You follow me? Like, that's what we were yeah, being told. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, no one was recommending all travel be canceled at that point. It was like, you might want to reconsider or think about your March break plans. But no one was saying, don't go. So we literally packed up that morning. I thought about it the day before. And everybody I spoke to said, you know what, go. But I did say to people that my biggest worry was that I'm going to go there and we're going to get locked into some sort of quarantine when we're there. That was my concern. And so during the day, I was really upset, but I didn't want to disappoint my eight-year-old son who's been looking forward to this trip. He was so excited. We pick him up at school. He's like so excited and we're driving to the airport and that afternoon at about 12, Andre Picard, who's a reporter at the Globe and Mail, I really respect the medical reporter, he wrote an article saying, look, we need to social distance. This is a serious thing. We need to do it. And I know he's just not a paranoid, crazy guy. He was critiquing the governments for not doing enough. And at that moment, I said, look, I can't go. We just, we, we just, we just, it did not feel safe to me. It did not feel right. I trusted my gut, Camille. And literally on the way to the airport, we decided not to go. 
But keep in mind, we had a lot invested in this plane tickets, nothing had been, you know, there were no insurance for these plane tickets, because there had been no advisory against going, we had hotels, we had a car rental, and we had very expensive tickets for the game. So this is Wednesday afternoon, March 11th. And for those of you who followed the events, you'll remember that the my team, the Utah Jazz was scheduled to play that night, but not the game we were going to watch, they were on the road, we were going to watch them on Friday. Well, don't worry, Camille, this isn't all about basketball. But as you may remember basketball was part of the story so by the time my plane would have taken off just as it would have taken off um, the craziest thing was that like by the time I would have gotten there all games in the NBA had been canceled like it was crazy it all happened that quickly Camille that by the time I was home for the airport my decision not to go had been validated yeah, one of the players on the Jazz, right, got got tested and was and tested positive. And funny enough, it was a player who had mocked the seriousness of the situation by, I think, like licking a microphone at a press conference. And that, he turns out to be the true. one who tests positive. That is true. And then and within like an hour, NBA, it's it's done. It's shut over. Down. It's gone. Yeah. So I'm I'm at home. Like if we had gone to Utah, my son and I, of course, we would have been trapped in mandatory quarantine coming back. We would have been trapped in these crazy six hour border lineups coming. Like all that would have happened just because we decided to go. And it was like it was the best decision because you know what it's like. You know, it's so hard to cancel, right? I've canceled. I've only missed like one or two trips otherwise in my whole life because I had a bad illness or something where I've canceled on the day. And it is just it's really hard to do. You're sort of invested in going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is tough. I've uh, canceled a lot of travel too, obviously. Um, was supposed to go to Victoria, British Columbia for the Humane Canada's National Animal Welfare Conference in a few weeks. Uh, that was supposed to be, what, this weekend, next weekend? March 28th. And Animal Justice was actually getting an award and I was going to speak on an egg cake panel at the conference, but obviously that's off. Uh, there was an event coming up in Portugal, a event I've told you guys about before because I go every year, but it's um, a global conference on veganism as a human right. So obviously that's off. I'm, I'm seriously doubting that anyone's going to be doing much travel for the next six months or so. But yeah, I know it's hugely upsetting. And I know people have had a horrible time trying to cancel um, flights because the airlines are so overloaded. I mean, trying to get customer service support from an airline is a hassle at the best of times and at the worst of times. Whew, I haven't even called Aeroplan yet because I'm waiting for, you know, people who've got imminent flights to finish canceling theirs before we start doing ours. But yeah, it's hugely disruptive. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, I should point out while we talked about the gala, as some listeners might remember, I, I had a book launch scheduled for right before the gala. I had to, that, that's also been postponed. Hopefully, Camille, my plan is to tie that into the conference. I can't guarantee that yet, but that's my plan is to have it on the Thursday before the conference so I can, again, uh, kill the proverbial vegan, you know, chocolate birds with one stone. Feed two birds with one scone. What is it? How does that work? (laughs) You got to feed two birds with one scone. No, I like killing things. So I'm just going to make them, you know, fake birds or something like that. I don't know. I like destroying things, Camille. I don't know. What can I tell you? (laughs) So offensive. Not actual things, but you know. Uh, yeah, so I get it. That's that's just been that's been really tough. And of course, while all this is going on, and we'll talk more COVID during our main section, I wanted to point out that like all my other jobs have gone haywire. 
Um, I think I don't want to compare you and I, Camille, but like my jobs have really been altered in the way that I'm actually able to do my job. So my university shut down last week. So we had to move online, which has been kind of exciting. Uh, I'm really into the online um, technological pedagogy stuff. So I've had to design my course to deliver it online. And um, on top of that, um, we've my courts, all the courts have closed. So now we're trying to figure out what that means in terms of advancing cases in the courts. But I did want to mention um, that in terms of online pedagogy, this does have an animal law component. Um, every year in my animal law course, I run what's called a jury submission exercise where students um, get to debate uh, before the jury a fictional animal law case based on a, a fake, you know, based on a real set of circumstances, but a fake trial. And this year we did it online. And it was absolutely fantastic, uh, Camille. I can tell you that in the past, I've run this like three or four times, and the jury exercise is always great because it's very solemn, it's very realistic, we do it in the courtroom, the counsel makes submissions, and then the jury go off to deliberate. But the downside of this exercise in person is that the jury goes off to deliberate and then they do like a real jury. It's all sequestered and quiet. Well, in the online version, you can't sequester the jury in quite the same way. So what we did was all the participants, the, me and the other counsel, we all just like shut off our cameras and mics. So we effectively went black. But we were able to witness the jury deliberate. And Camille, let me tell you, that was fascinating. Because this wow, is an that, animal cruelty case. Wow, that's super cool because... Yeah, we, we never get to pull back the curtain on the jury system in Canada and hear what they actually say because that's forbidden. So you kind of got a little bit of that experience. Oh, uh, it was fascinating. All the issues that we've talked about in terms of Menard and the way in which you apply various aspects of the cruelty test, they all came to light. It was literally like you had students struggling with whether, you know, the cruelty was unnecessary beyond a reasonable doubt and whether given purposes were legitimate. It was really, it was just a fascinating exercise. Exercise. I think the students got a lot out of it. And what was the case, Peter? So the exercise is modeled on a fake, a real case, a real situation, but ne never went to trial of an art student. We can probably link to it in the show notes. It's a pretty uh, uh, infamous example that took place in about 2013 in Calgary, where an art student decided as a, an experimental art project that he was going to walk into a cafeteria and, and slowly slit a chicken's throat and watch it bleed out and struggle and squirm and all that to death. So uh, he was never charged. So I decided, well, let's look at what would happen if he was. That's funny. I remember when that happened. I was I was still practicing criminal law at that point. I think I was articling. And uh, we put up a petition at Animal Justice, actually, uh, calling for charges in that case. And yeah, nothing ever happened. Well, it does in my class every single year. And this year, the jury was deadlocked, by the way. We couldn't get a result. It was fascinating. Um, I do get results. I've gotten both guilty and not guilty verdicts. It, it really does depend to a certain extent on the skill in which the presentation is given. But uh, this year, we, had a, we only had six jurors because we had some jurors pull out because of childcare responsibilities. But they were deadlocked 3-3 after an hour of deliberation. They could not come to any type of uh, even a majority verdict. Wow. Wow. Sounds super interesting. Well, I'm glad that the remote work has been working out well for you. Um, I'm enjoying been, it. Obviously. And yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of nice. If, if, if you're someone like I know a lot of professors are really struggling right now because many of them tend to be older, not very comfortable with technology, not super familiar with programs like Zoom. But someone like you who's been doing this stuff and pioneering it really for a long time, it's your time to shine. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. No question. Well, I don't know if it's my time to shine, but I'm certainly, it's certainly interesting. I was on a, um, another podcast this week. Again, my podcast, Bigamy continues, Camille. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shameless in that way. In fact, Camille, there is talk for those listening to this that I may make a triumphant return to the docket. There's just discussion right now. Oh. You know, we're in the we're in the early negotiations. I haven't been on that show for a couple of years now, but there is discussion that I'm going to make a triumphant return to the docket. So we'll see what Are happens. Are they going to make you stop trash talking the docket <laughs> to let you back on? I, I think the trash talking will go up several notches when I'm on the docket. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. I hope so cuz it makes it more fun. Me too. I hope that happens. We've been I was Did you see the Twitter I was trash talking they were like oh Peter Sankoff we have another episode and I was like is it 2022 already like what happened I, <laughs> we, we fast forwarded into the future amazing uh, yeah it's wow. pretty funny well you know professionally for me our office is um, obviously closed for now everyone's working from home so that's um that's been fine actually for us because we're pretty nimble and like pretty good at working remotely as it goes already. And I'm on the road a lot. So, um, and one of our team members, Caitlin is in Winnipeg. So it hasn't been as disruptive yet as probably some other people are dealing with. Um, but I do feel bad for all of our summer students. We had like three or four summer students who were going to be joining us in May or June, and they were all going to be working out of the office. And um, I, I now strongly suspect we'll all still be working remotely. But, you know, we're talking about ways to make it still fun and keep a sense of connection among the staff. Like maybe Friday, 5 p.m., we have a Zoom uh, happy hour. We all have a drink at home <laughs> and connect with each other that way. And I don't know about you, but um, I've been having like really great just to maintain social connection. I've been having really great conversations with friends who I don't usually have the time or find the time to connect with. Well, you know, I, I'm, I, I said to someone yesterday that I promise you, you can, you can mark this down, Camille. This is a paw and order guarantee. I think, I feel like we need a new sound effect, like a lock or something. This is a paw and order guarantee. I'm going to guarantee you that within the next week, the social media pieces and the newspaper pieces will talk about the benefits of social distancing, right? Like what we've learned about ourselves and you know what I mean? Our deeper connections. Oh, but totally. There's no doubt that's coming, right? It hasn't started yet because right now we're dealing with the crisis. But the revelation side of this is like, simplify your life. You'll find how much better it is. I mean, my life has not been simplified. Let me be clear. And for a lot of parents out there, our lives and social distancing have not been simplified. They've been complicated. But I think that's coming. And I will say this. We had a lovely virtual drinks with a friend of mine. And it's like it's really hard to get time. But the truth is everybody's home. So it's like it's really easy to catch everybody. Like nobody's busy. So like you want to catch up for drinks tomorrow, Camille? Sure. Like what else am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's been it's been kind of cool so far. Uh, we've also been doing a lot of cooking. So Peter, uh, I, I actually started stocking up on food and not panic buying. Let me know that I'm, I'm really not out there buying at the supermarkets. Um, I don't think I bought any more toilet paper or anything like that. But just have been adding extra stuff to the cart for like the last two weeks on anticipation of this day coming. Um, and not because I'm worried about the food supply. I think we're going to be fine. I, I think the store shelves are going to stay stocked, but it just helps you feel good to have an extra supply of some things on hand. So we've been 
stocking things like uh, all the vegan staples that are super important, like pasta, rice, uh, other kind of rice noodles, cans of beans, bags of beans, uh, root vegetables, squash, sweet potatoes, things that don't go bad really easily, frozen stuff, frozen veggies, onions, garlic. So we've got tons of stuff in the house right now, and it's been a, a fun chance to try more recipes. Um, no one's eating out right now, so we're all forced to cook, and I cook most of the time anyway, but I've been kind of exploring different sort of bean-based recipes, and that's been super fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're going to talk even more about that during our main segment, uh, Camille. So, uh, you know, we'll be able to get into that. And, and, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about one of our sponsors, because I believe, unless I'm missing something, that you got to try one of them. I haven't yet, but you did. I did. In fact, I just finished eating lunch a couple hours before we started recording. And I tried one of our new sponsors products. So I tried Kesava cheddar style pierogies. They're all vegan. And they were delicious. Honestly, they were amazing. Um, I'm I'm actually pretty picky about pierogies because I'm Ukrainian. So I grew up with pierogies that my mom made. And these were quite different. They're not traditional Ukrainian style in, in any way, but they were also delicious. So they're made with uh, cassava root, which is a naturally gluten-free product. Um, so the texture of the dough was really interesting. It was like a little, you know, a little bit more gummy than gluten kind of flour dough, but it was delicious. So that was kind of cool. Well, can I can I tell you something funny about cassava? So I want to try them too, and I've got a you know they want to send me a sample. They sent us a coupon for a sample, and like I'm super keen to try some and all that. So like I go online to see where they're available in Edmonton, and the main place they're available is a store called Planet Organic. Right. There's like five of them in Edmonton. And I'm like, that would be great, except they literally went bankrupt like two weeks ago. Oh, I heard that. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't. So my wife uh, tried the one other place that was listed. There's two other places and one of them um, doesn't have them. And then we went into covid mania where every store has a 12 hour line. So at the moment, um, I can't get my cassava dumplings. So if the people from cassava have any pity and can send me some somehow, that'd be great. Otherwise, it might be a while. I might not be able no, to get that's them. that's a bummer. I want them. Well, Camille. people, yeah, I yeah, I want you to have them. They're really good. I'm going to buy some more if I can. They're they're available at Whole Foods in Toronto. So, if you uh, are going to Whole Foods, then you can check them out there. Well, the and good you know, news, actually, though. Oh, I saw, the you, big you, news. You jumped on me, but you go ahead, Camille. Well, we've got a bit of an announcement actually involving Kisava. Uh We're going to give away a gift certificate for some cassava products. Uh, thanks to their generosity as our sponsor, we were in a position to do so. And what we wanted to do today was honor our Patreons. Uh, we've got dozens and dozens of Patreon supporters and... Um, we've arranged a bit of a virtual draw here. So I've got all of their names in the spreadsheet. And Peter, you don't know which lines their names are on, but you've been asked to select a random number between 1 and 31. And I'm going to correspond that to a Patreon supporter, and we're going to give away a gift certificate. So drum roll, please. We got the drum roll. And just to be clear, as the drum roll is still going, this is real. I I have a random number generator, which you can get online from 1 to 31. And I don't know the list, Camille, so there is no fixing here. The number I've drawn nope. is 10. 10 is the number, Camille. 10. All right. So the winner is Heather Lydia. Heather, you are the lucky winner of some cassava products. So we'll Go check Heather. and get your address Go out of Go Patreon. Heather. Go Heather. 
Hopefully we have addresses in Patreon. I haven't looked, but I'm sure our producer Shannon can figure that out. Uh, and either way, we'll contact you, Heather, and get those over to you. So congratulations and happy eating. Absolutely. We're so happy to give something away to our Patreon fans. Yeah, during this weird time, it's nice to brighten people's days a little bit or brighten Heather's day anyway. That is our goal today, Camille. We are doing a COVID podcast that has little bits of doom and gloom, but we're trying to put as much sunshine in your life as we can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and while we're leaving some sunshine in your lives, maybe you can leave some more in ours too. (laughs) This is your episode reminder to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Please add to our over 100 five-star reviews. So I'm going to read a new review. And this one, Peter, is from Alana. She says, this is an amazing podcast. The hosts clearly explain answers to many questions I've had since my animal welfare career began 10 years ago. Thank you. I listen to this podcast while walking my dogs. And so all the dogs in my home are also grateful for this podcast as their walks are extended until the current episode I'm listening to ends. Um, I love that. I think that's awesome. Uh, Never really occurred to me that we'd be directly benefiting dogs as a result of this podcast, but I'm here for it. I, 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 I'm getting all the, the touchy feels. I just, I wonder, I suspect if I know who that Alana is. Do you have any idea, Camille? Is that anybody we might know personally? Yeah, I think I know who Alana is. And I don't think it's the Alana that you're thinking of. Oh, then I am. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Alana. We really appreciate it. And as for the other Alana, like leave us a review for God's sake. Yeah, come on. (laughs) So please leave us a review. Uh, A reminder that you can also support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And that goes a a super long way to making sure that we can keep bringing you this episode from our self-imposed quarantines. All right. And I guess, Peter, we're ready to move on to the news section. Fantastic. We've got uh, just a few short things of news. But our first piece of news, this is really... Honestly, it is hard to find too many silver linings in this COVID um, pandemic that we are in right now. But one of the uh, more positive things that you can take away from this particular uh, virus was released uh, last week by the World Health Organization. That's right. So they have confirmed that they do not believe that dogs can contract the virus. So dogs are COVID-19 free. Um, This is great because we've heard reports of people being fearful of this and potentially dogs being killed as a result, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And uh, for all of you who've got pooches at home, if you've got dogs, if you've got cats or other animals who you share your home with, uh, it doesn't look like there's too much to worry about there. That is good to know because I I thought I heard my dog Chili giving a little little chihuahua cough, Ah! so I I was pretty happy. I was pretty uh, happy when I read this news. Oh my God. Speaking of chili, I just have to add for the benefit of our listeners that we had a bit of a, a podcast production meeting last week with our producer and we did it on Zoom. Uh, <laughs> and chili was sitting on Peter's lap during the, the call and it was the best thing ever. He's there are so no cute. pictures. They've all been destroyed. I have to, oh, keep, I have my, pictures. I have to keep my image as a, a mean, grim, animal hating, you know person so any pictures from this have been destroyed <laughs> well maybe uh, I'll, I'll post one on twitter someday maybe 
Well, Camille, we've got more good news because, um, you know, it's hard to find too many silver linings with COVID, but we can notice. But one of the things that's going to be happening in the next little while is that because of the COVID virus, legislatures are going to be closing. And that has a few impacts for some pieces of legislation that we'd like to see delayed. Indeed. So we've talked a lot about this podcast, a lot on on this podcast about Ontario's egg gig bill. That's Bill 156. It was actually slated to go to committee hearings on March 27th and March 30th. And, uh, you know, it's probably a moot point now. They haven't officially canceled those hearings, but obviously at this point, there's no way they're going to go forward. Um, It was frustrating, actually, because the government had scheduled them outside of Toronto, specifically, I'm sure, to make sure that uh, fewer animal advocates could show up and attend, and also to make sure that they were in farm country where they could expect more farmers to come and speak out in favor of the bill. So March 27th was going to be in London, Ontario, and March 30th was going to be in Peterborough. Nothing in Toronto. But um, again, it hasn't happened officially, but it's pretty hard to see those meetings going ahead now. And who knows when this issue might come up again. I feel like the government's going to have some other more pressing priorities for quite some time. So this could be good news in terms of the battle against egg. Sure. Anything that uh, I'm I'm always of the belief that delay is good, right? I mean, anything that allows people to reconsider which is time. Look, we, we both know, Camille, that the faster this gets rammed through, the worse it is. So anything that's delay for any reason is useful. I'm not saying it's going to change things. I'm not saying it's going to, uh, you know, radically alter the status quo or the government's desire to move forward. But I but I do think that anytime you've got a possibility to reconsider and you can put that into the mind, it leaves, there's certainly more time for lobbying. Like, you know what I mean? There's the ability to actually talk to people. So I think that's good. I think uh, that's a good thing. And one of the few indirect positive things about uh, what's happening to us. Well, that's right. And we're going to get into to this particular issue a little bit later involving food safety and, and the way that these viruses come about in the first place. But I also think it's very fair to say that there's going to be heightened concern more than ever before around food safety and transparency in our system. And that may also be a helpful context when it comes back to the egg gig debate. Certainly, certainly possible. Um, You know, we've seen, I think we talked about it last week or on a previous show about, you know, the indirect changes that are likely to take place in China. And while it's sad that those are not animal directed or animal focused, quite frankly, um, changes that are positive for animals are positive for animals. So I think, uh, you know, if they get rid of wet markets in China because of the global risks that it's posing, I'm I'm all for it. Well, one other kind of fun piece of news. It's not really news, more just something I wanted to draw your attention to. Uh, In the midst of all this darkness and the difficulties that people are having in a very real way, Arnold Schwarzenegger posted something on Twitter that just made my week. (laughs) Did you see this video, Peter? I did. I did. It was really cute. So Arnie posted uh, a video urging people to stay home and he has He himself is at home in this video, and he's at home with his two companion animals who happen to be a mini pony named Whiskey and a donkey named Lulu. And they are so freaking cute. So he's sitting there, he's telling people, you know, that's it. No more going out. We don't go to restaurants anymore. We just stay home with Whiskey and Lulu. (laughs) And he's feeding Whiskey and Lulu and they're coming up and snuggling him. He's giving them hugs and, and they're all just like super happy. And he also talks about eating vegan food. He says he's going to stay home and eat vegan food with Whiskey and Lulu. So that to me was a huge bright spot. Yeah, it was like, I've never been, you know, I've never been, uh, I can't say I've been that partial to donkeys, but they were 
they were pretty cute. Yeah, super cute. Super cute. I'd like to know the story behind them. Like, how long have they lived with him? Uh, how did he get these two? Is he, like, super into animal rights now? Like, In the I house. think he is. In the house. Yeah, very cool. So our last story in the news is uh, a kind of a, a depressing one. Um, it's out of uh, New Zealand, my former country, and it should, you know, it sounds vaguely familiar, Camille. Uh, it's an animal welfare breach that was found at a rodeo in New Zealand. But despite uh, a disregard for animal welfare that was problematic and in breach of the relevant code, the Ministry of Primary Industries, which is responsible for investigating, found no offense worth charging. Yeah, so the specifics of this case involve uh, a rodeo event where activists saw a very clear breach of, of the codes of animal welfare for rodeos. Um, so they say that in the video they took, you can clearly see a steer being wrestled for 12 seconds longer than was allowed by the code. So on its face, that is a breach. Yeah, and, and nonetheless, there was no prosecution. And the reason for that, as I understand it, stems from the relationship that we've talked about before um, between codes of welfare and the actual primary offense of, in, in New Zealand, it's called ill treatment, but here it would be animal cruelty or causing distress. And the, the reason for that is because codes of welfare are not, if you breach a code of welfare, it doesn't necessarily mean that an offense has committed. Codes of welfare are used as defenses once it's proved that there was ill treatment. So in effect, the ministry investigating this said, well, you breached the code of welfare, but we're not convinced that there was ill treatment in the way the animal was treated. And that's just a really problematic way, in my opinion. But to be honest, it's it's what the legislation provides for and is one of the reasons I've been so critical of codes as a way of monitoring what these industries do. Yeah, if these codes don't actually have a legal effect and that you cannot prosecute for a breach of them, you've got to wonder what the point is. If really what they're being used for is to let abusive conduct that would otherwise be an offense escape any form of prosecution, which doesn't seem to have any utility to me. It, it doesn't. And it's like it's one of those things that only a lawyer could understand, you know, the distinction, because these codes are trumpeted. You know, if you went to the rodeo, they'd be like, well, we follow the codes, right? The codes are what, you know, set us in line. And, and Canadian industries do that all the time. But it's important to recognize that non-compliance with the code doesn't mean anything. It just, well, it's, I shouldn't say that. It just means that if you were actually charged with the offense of cruelty or distress or whatever it is in the particular jurisdiction you're in, you cannot raise the code as a defense. And that's a big difference. My view has always yeah. been that these codes should set regulated standards, the breach of which should be an offense. Because, like, the codes are so weak anyway. It seems to me that if the industry, as they do in Canada, is going to set these codes, they should at least have to abide by them. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Otherwise, they're just there as, as basically humane washing in a way that doesn't help animals in any capacity. Yeah, and I, I had a tie-in to this, Camille, because uh, I recently found out that uh, I'm going to have a visitor in my office from New Zealand coming soon. It, it, it looks very much like uh, our friend, friend of the podcast, who's interviewed on here before, Marcelo uh, Rodriguez Ferrere, is going to be uh, joining me in Alberta next semester to uh, work on a PhD. At least that is the plan. Oh, I, I, I shouldn't announce is, his. I shouldn't announce that, that on Pawn. Fantastic. Pond 
Yeah, but it's well, just about I'm... done. We're very excited about it. Marcelo told me he wants to come, and that's uh, that's really good news. And, and on another good news front on the COVID, I was going to say just before the COVID lockdown uh, took place, I had an opportunity to grab a coffee with uh, a Dr. Kendra Coulter, who was in Edmonton on some business involving animal uh, issues, and and we had a really great talk about uh, animal prosecution agencies, and uh, we share a lot of the same views about how these types of crimes should be investigated. So it's always nice to catch up with uh, friends who come through Edmonton and uh, get a chance to share ideas about animal issues. Well, that's fantastic. I'm super happy to know we'll have Marcelo back in Canada. He did do some of his previous uh, education here in Toronto. So I kind of wish we had him here. But hey, hopefully we'll get him at least for the Animal Law Conference in the fall. Kesava creates delicious dishes that are inspired by classic world village foods that your grandma might make. History with a modern twist. Kisava's dishes are rich with bold flavors, authentic ingredients that happen to be naturally gluten-free. Kesava has something for everyone, including its own line of 100% plant-based foods that include cheddar-style potato pierogies, sweet potato ravioli, green pea, and potato samosas. Kisava's dough is made from the cassava root, which sustained indigenous peoples in Brazil and Peru for thousands of years. Kisava was inspired by a time when allergies and food sensitivities weren't abundant like they are now. Kisava's products are always natural with ingredients you can pronounce that are good for you and for the planet. Perfect for vegans, vegetarians, the health conscious, the planet lovers, and the celebrators of life. Kisava's products are made in Vancouver, BC. Visit the store finder at kisava.com to find a retailer near you. That's Q-U-E-S-A-V-A.com. For those of you who haven't heard of tempeh, you are missing out. Tempeh is a popular food item in Indonesia that's traditionally made with soy as a staple source of protein. It's versatile, filling, and has a delicious nutty flavor. The folks behind Tempeh are masters of creating great tempeh, and they've developed a passionate following in Vancouver for many good reasons. Tempeh's products are always fresh, made with organic, non-GMO soybeans. Its tempeh is unpasteurized, and that means it's alive and full of flavor. Tempeh is a superfood with numerous benefits. First, it's an awesome source of protein. And Tempeh's tempeh actually has 1.4 times more protein than firm tofu. Tempeh is also low in saturated fat and free of trans fat, cholesterol, and sodium. It's high in fiber and is a source of calcium and iron. If you serve it plain, it's low in FODMAPs too. Tempeh is also naturally gluten-free. Visit tempeh.ca for delicious tempeh-packed recipes and to find out where you can find tempeh products in the greater Vancouver area. The Grinning Goat is Canada's vegan fashion boutique with a storefront in Calgary and an online store that ships across Canada and abroad. The Grinning Goat is your one-stop shop for everything, including t-shirts for animal advocacy, footwear, accessories, kids' fashion, personal care products, zero-waste products, outerwear, and various items for your home. Vegan shopping has never been easier. Whether you're shopping for yourself or buying gifts for a loved one, you have the comfort of knowing that everything at The Grinning Goat is completely animal-free. And for being a listener of the podcast, you get a special discount code if you shop online at grinninggoat.ca. Simply use the code PAW15 at checkout to save 15% off your entire regular priced purchase.
Now, right now, The Grinning Goat has closed its storefront in Calgary because of the corona outbreak, but their online store is still open. Grinning Goat has implemented free next-day delivery for online orders placed within Airdrie, Calgary, and Okotoks, and they have reduced their minimum order for free shipping across Canada to $75. So do what we do and buy from the Grinning Goat. Pickup in-store will still be available and they'll contact you to arrange a date and time for your pickup. All right, Camille, that brings us to our main topic. We're going deep. Yeah, and I kind of feel like we've already been in the main topic because pretty much all we've talked about is COVID, but we're going to keep talking about COVID. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot more to say about this, and I'm sure this isn't going to be the last time we have an episode with lots of COVID content, but um, there's the fallout from this situation is going to be felt for a very long time uh, by a a great number of people and by a great number of sectors of the economy, and uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of that. And, uh, you know, also some of the reasons that we're in this situation in the first place. Um, I don't think it's a shock to anyone now. We've all heard about how the fact that this uh, virus originated in a wet market in China where many wild animals are kept and um, often slaughtered on site and their bodies are sold to people to eat. And it seems like um, the virus jumped the species barrier there in some way. Um, I don't know if you've read a more definitive account than I have, Peter. I don't think people really know exactly how it came about, other than that it's pretty sure it did come from the wet market because so many of the early cases in the outbreak had a link to that wet market in Wuhan. Um, But it seems like people are theorizing that the virus probably originated in bats and may have stopped in pangolins for a period of time on the way to becoming something that infected humans as well. And this is very consistent with most of the worst outbreaks uh, in recent history, in the world. So many of them, Peter, were caused by this this practice that we're engaged in, which is using and consuming animals. Yep. I mean, not all of them, I don't think, but I think most of them. Um, and it is, there's no question that the risks that arise from this type of agriculture are huge. And they are simply, it seems to me, not factored in to our decision-making process about the way in which we do things. And it's very easy to blame China or blame, you know, a particular market in China. But the truth of the matter is, um, these problems exist in lots of different forms. And that's without even considering, Camille, the risk of animal-borne disease to the animals themselves. Like we saw um, years ago with foot and mouth disease and um, other other types of disease where huge, like massive numbers of animals had to be killed because of the risks they posed to themselves, to other animals and to human health. Yeah, I know it's pretty horrific. And you can look back in the, just even the last few decades to find many, many examples of these. But let's just go through a few. Um, Peter, I I don't know if you've seen the excellent graphic that Al Jazeera did looking at deadly viral outbreaks that originated in animals. But just to go back in recent memory, I mean, let's start with the seasonal flu, which is the biggest cause of of, uh, it's uh, the most common coronavirus uh, that affects humans and animals as well. Uh, it infects probably about a billion people a year and does cause a lot of deaths. Uh, over half a million deaths some year or uh, some years globally are caused just by the flu. And the flu originally came probably from birds and pigs, which were intensively confined in some way or used in some way for for food. Uh, you look at H1N1, 2009. That was the year I started law school. And I, I remember a couple of my friends got H1N1 and basically missed the entire first semester of law school. 
Wow. And that originated not in China or a country that we might like to blame for these types of outbreaks, but in the United States and Mexico. It infected about a million people and had between 123 and 203,000 deaths. Uh, there's the bird flu, which came from China. There's SARS, which um, originated probably in, in bats. Um, there's many different types of bird flus, actually. Um, so there's uh, there's the MERS virus, which was an outbreak in 2012, which was extremely deadly, and that originated in the Middle East, uh, probably in camels. So this is not a new idea that coronaviruses are going to jump the species barriers and infect humans. It's been going on for thousands of years. And in fact, it was... Uh, a lot of people would say it was completely predictable that we would one day be in this situation. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it seems to me predictable is the understatement. I mean, we've we've I, I know we've talked about this in the past. This is a, just an idea and a concern that continues to grow. Um, the 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 fact that animals are farmed in the way they are um, sets up the possibilities for these types of uh, pathogens to to move. And I think that's a real deep problem and something, you know, again, in an ideal world, we would consider in considering the costs and benefits. And, and what we see from this particular pandemic, Camille, and let's just say that we are in, what is it? I mean, it depends on your count, but I, I kind of, do you feel that March 12th is that March 11th is kind of the start date or like, I don't know, like whatever. I mean, it doesn't really matter. We're in day six or day eight or whatever, but we are in the early end of this. And it seems to me that the overall cost um, in, in terms of not just money, but like total affect to people and what it's going to do to our lives going forward is going to be catastrophic. And it's all so that, you know, every country can do whatever it wants in the way in which we treat our animals. I mean, that's at the core or at least it's one of the core causes of what is happening here. And we are just not taking serious enough steps to limit the inherent harms that stem from this sort of activity. No, we, we haven't been taking those steps. And I, I feel like the risk of future harm is always a problem for us to deal with in the future. I mean, I know we have some departments and offices deal with uh, devoted to disease planning and pandemic planning and a response to that. But your average person doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about this eventuality because it is an eventuality. We just kind of think, oh, you know, it probably won't happen to us. Hasn't really happened in our lifetime that we'd have a global pandemic like this and probably will be fine. Um, but that wasn't the case for a lot of history. It was actually pretty common throughout much of history that pandemics like this would arise uh, just over 100 years ago. 1918, when the, the Spanish flu was was a big deal that wiped out a big ch chunk of the world's population. But we just don't have like a, a recent reference point for that. So I feel like people have really been asleep at the wheel. And, uh, you know, trying to use the very serious risks as an argument against factory farming is something that animal advocates have pushed for a long time. And it hasn't gotten a lot of tension. Uh, I think it might change after this. I was watching, Peter, a TED Talk that my friend Dr. Aisha Akhtar shared recently. She, she did the TED Talk about six years ago, and um, her, her work involves talking to people about our relationships with animals, and not just about the way we love them or share our homes with them, or even the medical consequences of our animal-based diet, which causes a lot of uh, chronic diseases like heart disease and cancer, but also the public health consequences of things like wild animal markets and factory farms. And she says, it's not us or them, it's us and them. And the point I think is that our health is inextricably tied to the health of animals and vice versa. Well, well put, 
well put, Camille. Now, we, we want to look in addition to this issue to some of the the other consequences. But I just I wanted to point out if I, I you know, I have to say this. I don't know if you share this idea, Camille, but like I find that Twitter gets a lot of grief. And it really, you know, it does because there's a lot of nasty stuff on Twitter and hate and everything. But I don't know about you. When stuff like this is going on, I find it's Twitter at its best. Like, do you not agree with that? Like, it's just this is the best time to have Twitter. Oh, completely. I mean, I can't even imagine being shut in like this and not having Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or all these forms of social media. It would just be torture. But it's not only a great way to connect with people, but it's also like a very current and fast news source. And if you're anything like me, you spend a lot of time reading the news these days. I can't get enough of the minute by minute updates. Yeah. And Twitter, I find, is much better than Facebook for that sort of stuff because it's sort of news oriented. But I also think Twitter gives you a nice array of, of communications from all sorts of other people. And I wanted to point out, I, if I may, I it, it it almost pains me to you know compliment my co-host on a regular basis like this, but but like Camille <laughs> has kind of been on fire recently on on Twitter. Every time an animal use industry <laughs> posts anything related to COVID, like Camille is all over them, and my favorite was the dairy industry's latest. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, you know what? I was actually just in a bad mood last night. You know, not a bad mood, but we're all feeling cooped up and frustrated. And the National Milk Producers Federation in the States tweeted something about how dairy supplies aren't experiencing production interruptions. No problem. should be reassured. Don't worry. Milk and dairy products will continue to be produced. Peter, why do we pick on the dairy industry so much? It's like every episode we just trash them. Wow. Do you want, okay. do you want to talk about the do you want to talk about the zoos and the penguins? We can do that too. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> but with I retweeted dairy. it with yeah. the comment that this is actually unfortunate because it would be nice for the cows to have a break from forced impregnation, <laughs> having their babies stolen and then being turned into milk machines. Um, because it's true. I, I can't help but think at this time about all the animals whose lives go on or don't go on, whose lives are ended behind the closed doors of factory farms and in slaughterhouses. They're not getting a break. It's, this isn't going to affect them. Um, you know, when when thing that could have happened as a result of some sort of global crisis is maybe a drop in meat production, but I don't see that happening. No, but as I, as I said, when I replied to your tweet, Camille, you forgot about the brush, Camille. You're being unfair. <laughs> you forgot. Oh, the face brush. <laughs> you forgot about, yeah, like what you that, say so about that's cows a reference. You should explain what true. that reference is. I'm, I'm about to do that. I'm like, well, that all that you say about cows, Camille, might be true, but you forgot that they get their face rubbed by a brush, according to the dairy farmers of Canada. At about, if you remember a couple of weeks back, we put our cows first and they have this little picture of one cow getting its face brushed as if that makes up for everything else. Anyway, I, I thought that was funny, but I also loved your tweet about a zoo. I can't remember where this zoo is. That Oh, it's an aquarium. Sorry, it's an it's aquarium. It's the Shed Aquarium in is Chicago. That, and yeah, they let shut its down. penguins out. They let its penguins go for a walk. And everybody's like, oh my God, it's so cute. The penguins are going for a walk. And Camille, who has to rain on everybody's parade, says... <laughs> Apparently, it takes a dangerous pandemic for aquariums to give animals just a little more space. <laughs> I was like, fire, Camille, you're on fire. 
That was great. Oh, boy. Uh, it's amazing that this can give yeah. us so much joy. But anyway, let's talk about the real life consequences um, that, that are, you know, have a kind of a connection to what we do. And I think like we should talk about a couple. And I want to talk about, obviously, like this is going to hurt small businesses at, because the truth of the matter is it's going to hurt every business. Like people are affected. There's no more shopping. There's no more moving around. And people are, are going to be affected. I think a lot of businesses are going to go under. I mean, to their credit, the government seem to recognize this and are really trying to step in. But like the fact is, people are going to hurt from this, lots of people. And and we wanted to point out, uh, uh, like, this is true of, of stores that supply vegan things even more than others. And I say that because these are really small businesses and they are operating on small margins. And it seems to me an appropriate time to give a shout out to our sponsor and our favorite uh, vegan store, The Grinning Goat, which had to close its doors uh, because of the COVID virus, even though um, even though they are still operating online. Yeah, yeah. People at The Grinning Goat, people at restaurants, people at vegan shops, uh, I know it's really hurting for them. So if you are in a position to keep spending some money at these stores, I know it would go a really long way. A lot of people are also buying gift certificates at small businesses uh, that they're going to cash in on later after the crisis has subsided. So I went and made a big order at the Grinning Goat. First thing I did, um, I bought some boots. They First of all, they have some great specials. I got some boots for next uh, winter, and I bought a bunch of other things because uh, I wanted to show them some love because I think they are going to need it going forward. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll survive because they're a, a resilient organization, but anything uh, we can do and our listeners out there can do, like if you've been thinking about a purchase at the Grinning Goat, now's the time. And I say that not just because they're our sponsor, because I want them to continue going forward in a healthy and productive way. Yeah, yeah, I, re- I really hope that vegan businesses come out well at the end of this and, and you know, all businesses, not just vegan businesses. But we worry about them. Um, you know, I worry about the consequences for the charitable sector, too, especially the people providing services related to animals. Um, animal justice depends on donations to operate. And I know with a lot of people dealing with this potential upcoming recession, that's that's going to be a factor in how much people are able to contribute each year. So, you know, I hope if you're listening and you're you're a donor, you'll you'll keep up that support if you possibly can, because it means that we can keep doing the work that we do. And unfortunately, animals don't stop suffering during this crisis. Um, you know, the closed doors of factory farms are still closed. And we know that their lives are no better than they were before. And uh, we're very committed to doing everything we can, despite the challenging circumstances and the closures of courts and legislatures, uh, to keep fighting to protect them. Well, I have a note in that regard, Camille, and it's going to end off on a positive note because um, since I've been in quarantine, as it were, because I'm not officially in quarantine, um, I have made a decision that there were things that I want to do. As I said, stay positive. I'm really trying to keep positive in this. And I know that a lot of lawyers and uh, especially criminal lawyers are concerned about their clients and the, the closure of the courts and all that. And uh, I decided I wanted to do something about it. And as I said, I've been experimenting all week with uh, Zoom software and the ability to deliver online lectures. And I made a decision to um, that I am, for the rest of this COVID uh, pandemic, as long as people are social distancing, I am going to give a seminar every week online. I'm going to host a legal seminar, and I announced the first one on Twitter this week. And these, contrary to my usual practice, Camille, are not going to be free. They are not free. You must pay to attend these seminars, but I will not be taking a penny of that money. I am essentially designating a particular 
either a charitable organization or someone who is suffering because of this COVID virus. And the first seminar, Camille, was uh, announced um, on uh, earlier this week, uh, yesterday, sorry, 24 hours ago, and I sold out. In, in 24 hours, I had 50 spots wow. and I sold out and I had a waiting list. So it's like I sold out in 24 hours and essentially I was able to provide this week benefits for um, the cafe at the Faculty of Law, which is run by a sole proprietor. His name is Steve. He is a member of our community. He's a great guy and he is just going to suffer by the loss of a month's worth of revenue that he needs to keep his business afloat. So we are going to be uh, supporting him. And I can tell you, Camille, between donations and admission prices to the seminar we've raised already a thousand dollars for steve and i couldn't be more delighted oh that's amazing news i met steve when i was when last time i was there visiting you peter and that's a beautiful idea yeah i'm really pleased with it and i can also inform all our listeners out there that my plan is to do at least one fundraiser for animal justice i'm thinking that the fundraiser i do next week which will be for civil litigators camille because i think i can charge them more that's my key (laughs) i think i can get away (laughs) with charging civil litigators a little more um is going to be to benefit animal justice and i'm hoping in future all our listeners that I'm going to do an animal law related seminar as well and again I'm not asking for a lot of money the uh, the subscriptions for this were five dollars for uh, young lawyers and ten dollars for older lawyers it's not meant to make a ton of money it's just meant to bring you know 50 to 100 people together so that we can all support uh, an organization and learn something in the process so please stay tuned follow your Twitter feed and follow our announcements page for uh, seminars coming up to benefit animal justice. Well, that's amazing, Peter. Thank you so much for that. And I've got to say that generous, the generosity of spirit that people like you are exhibiting is is one of the bright sides of the situation. I've just been so amazed by uh, the ability of people, despite the physical distancing, to connect and come together in in new ways and support each other. So thank you for that. That's going to be really important and helpful. Um, As we mentioned, we've canceled the gala. That's that was going to be huge benefit um, source of fundraising for us. So every little bit helps. Well, and um, I, I'm sure that all the other organizations you're going to support will appreciate it, too. Well, I'd like to say, Camille, that I'm doing it to be nice. But honestly, I'm just freaking hoping to win some kind of award so I can be the award winning Peter Sankoff to, to kind of catch oh, up to you. Oh, the truth I comes out. To, Are we going to edit this part to. out? <laughs> no, no, of course not. <laughs> I just, I'm just, I'm just trying to catch up to you, Camille. It is not easy. It's like, you know, we have the multi award winning Camille Lachuk. I got to catch up one day. Yeah, fair enough. I get it. I get it. It's all about the awards, Camille. You know me. It's all about the awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that is a lot of COVID talk. Um, We'll leave it at that. And uh, we look forward to your comments and thoughts. And yeah, we'll talk some more about it. uh, I'm sure. I'm sure in the weeks to come. Yeah, you know, if if you're on Twitter, that's where I I am these days. Also Facebook and Instagram a lot. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Love to hear how you're keeping busy during this time. How you're staying fit. Have you found any cool online exercise programs? I'm going to try to start one tonight. Uh, what you're reading. Do you have any good TED Talks to recommend? Just, you know, stay in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Heroes and Zeros. All right, everybody. It's time for your favorite part of the show, Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. Oh, Camille. All right. This is a, this is well, a first. We've got, we've got some special Heroes and Zeros for you this week. 
yeah, we're we're doing something new for the first time. Uh, maybe we'll get through the hero first, and then we'll explain what what's different. Well, I love the hero, Camille, because it made me laugh. The hero, <laughs> the hero is an undefined series of persons. But if you've been watching lately, this is all COVID related, of course. You know that what has been going on since the virus sort of, you know, really people started to realize, oh, this is serious, is a lot of hoarding. And we have been getting Facebook posts and tweets from people who have been trapped, trapped in shopping markets and, you know, trying to get some basic food supplies to ride out the quarantine or whatever you're sitting in. And a lot of those tweets from our friends have one thing in common, Camille. Yeah, so there, there's one photo in particular that's going around of a empty store shelf, like in the sort of freezer cooler section, not the freezer section, but the cooler section, with a whole bunch of vegan products that are totally untouched. And meanwhile, the shelves on either side of it are bare. So <laughs> the caption is often like, even during a pandemic, no one's eating vegan food. Ha ha ha. Well, that leaves more for us, Camille, and makes our shopping excursions that much easier. <laughs> so our hero is all you hoarders who decided to leave the vegan food. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Round of applause. And, you know, I got to say, an alternate headline might be everyone but vegans panics, right? The rational vegans are like, oh, we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be cool, man. No worries. Yeah. And our zero, right, Camille? And our, our zero. Wow. Wait, what's going on here? I don't see any name on the list. You know what, Camille? With all of this COVID panic, we've got enough negativity in our lives. We are doing a first here on Paw and Order. We actually had quite a few candidates with COVID to give zeros, and we just don't want to do it, Camille. We want to end off today on a positive, uplifting note. No zero. No, first time, probably the last, but for this week, you're escaping any zeros. Starting so. next episode, we'll be back to our cynical old selves and we'll be dashing out zeros to deserving people. But for today, we're going to leave everybody on the best note we can. Well, I mean, we mentioned hoarders, so I don't know. They were like a hero and a zero, kind of, Camille. So uh, in, yeah, a sense, in a sense, we sort of got it anyway, but we wanted to uh, end off on a good note and wish everybody well. This is going to be a tough time. I hope this podcast helps you through I hope so, too. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Stay in. Stay inside if you possibly can, if, unless you're doing something essential. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. We'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in today. We'd love to ask you to subscribe to the Pod and Order podcast using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or your other favorite podcatcher. Also, please leave a rating because it helps more people find the show. And if you can, please tell other listeners to share the podcast so more people can hear us. You can also consider supporting us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pot and order if you like what you hear. You can find me on Twitter at, at Peter Sankoff or at my website, petersankoff.com. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Camille Labchuk, that's L-A-B-C-H-U-K. And we always enjoy Twitter conversations about the show or any other animal law or political topics. And finally, we'd like to thank our producer, Shannon Milling. See you next time on Paw and Order. For more great iRaw podcasts, visit iRawPod.com. That's I-R-O-A-R-P-O-D.com. Ah.